Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, you're just a delight, aren't you? I am gagged, cuffed, and living for that. Now that is very juicy. Welcome to Geordie's Juice. Gentlemen and non-binary icons, and welcome to our podcast, Jordy's Juice. My name is Jordy Delight. I am the real housewife of Leaf, Drag's answer to Angel Delight, and on Aldi budget and full-time spinster. As well as all of this, I am an Edinburgh-based drag queen, DJ, actor, singer, activist, and your host for today's episode. In this series of Jordy's Juice, I speak with legends of the UK's drag scene where we discuss highlights of their careers, where they plan on sashaying to next, and we also be dragging out all things RuPaul's Drag Race UK Season 3. We will review each episode and get juicy on what's been going down. The challenges, the villain edits, the tears, and who our money is on to win. Plus, all the most sickening looks on the runway. So boil the kettle and get the tea brewing because it's time to spill the goss and drag your thoughts away from your troubles. My guest for today's episode is Manchester-based cabaret legend, singer and bearded royalty from the UK's drag scene, Danny Beard. I first ran into Danny in 2015 on Canal Street where they were riding a scooter in platform heels before they headed into Kiki, where they DJed a fabulous set. Having performed professionally on television with pop icons like Kerry Katona on the recent celebrity karaoke on ITV2 and gigs and venues across the world, I was completely starstruck being able to share our love of 90s pop music and club kids. A disclaimer, this podcast gets wild with some cheeky sea bombs, but bombs away for another exciting episode of Jory's Juice. So thank you so much, Danny Beard, for being our next guest on Jordy's Juice. How are you doing this morning? 
I've just been saying before we started recording today, I was I was done this thing. I don't know if you've ever done this where you tell yourself that you're fine, you've got nothing on, and then all of a sudden you remember, oh God, I've got something on. And I've done this this morning. And I've had myself a lie in and I'm all discombobulated. <laughs> but you know what? It is what it is. We roll with it. How are you doing, girl? I'm good, babe. And I will say to you, like, I have not met one drag artist who's not who's on time. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's 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 in our blood, love. It's in our blood. Usually we're making ourselves fabulous though, not lying in bed thinking that you've got nothing to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I've got to say, right, I am so I mean, every episode we've done on Jory's Just So Far has been an absolute delight, right? But I am so excited <laughs> to be interviewing you for this. I can't quite describe it actually. Um Obviously, we were just mentioning earlier, I remember so distinctively, right? It might have not been you, but it was either you or someone else. There was a drag queen on Canal Street in 2015 when I went to Manchester for the first time outside Kiki on a Segway. And I Uh, think... uh, It was me. Yes! (laughs) And I remember saying to myself, like, a drag queen on a Segway, that is a look and a vibe right now. (laughs) Do you know what? Actually, now I'm thinking of it, I don't... I remember distinctively not having a Segway, having an electric scooter. So it could have been another queen on a Segway. It might have been the scooter. Maybe I'm just mixing them up. But I thought to myself, God, a drag queen doing that in heels is absolutely powerful. What a statement. And then, (laughs) obviously, I am so bad saying this because I am a DJ, right? But I remember coming up to you and Kiki and being like, OMG, will you play Delight Grooves in the Heart? And you were like, yeah, babes, no worries. Um, (laughs) Did I play it? Uh, yeah, you did actually. Oh, you played it for me. I remember. I, I don't DJ much anymore, mm-hmm. but I remember a lot of the times, and you'll know this. Yeah. Uh, some DJs do the whole, yeah, babe, no problem. I'll play it in a bit. Yeah, no problem, and just keep it nice, which is what I tried to do most of the time. Mm-hmm. But some DJs are like, no, I'm not playing it. Not got it. <laughs> I just remember you were up this cool like balcony thing, and I was quite. I mean, shit scared because I'm scared of heights, and I thought, wow, that's powerful. But like. Yeah, I had to kind of come up sort of to get you and ask for the song. But that's wild. I'm so um, so excited to have you on this um, episode. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you for having me. This is going to be camp. Now, there was one thing I wanted to kind of open with, right, that I thought would just be a hilarious story, right, was that what? I watched last night you doing the karaoke um, show with, obviously, um, Trinity the Talk and the Vivian, right? Oh, my and Lord. I have to say, right, I'm not making this up. You're going to think I'm crazy. This was one of those moments where I sat on my couch and was like, am I seriously interviewing Danny tomorrow when I've had this happen myself? But I saw you do a duet with Kerry Katona, right? <laughs> yeah. That was iconic. And I literally, in 2016 in Polo Lounge, done the same song on stage with her because she pulled me up. And I thought, there's a weird link here. What was it like? Why? Yeah. What was it like for you to get to sing with Kerry Katona on like ITV2? Do you know what? We didn't really get the chance to speak. I know the magic of telly makes us all look like we're like Bessie mates, Mm -hmm. but she just pops her head through this little hole um, (laughs) on the set and then sings a song. And and they did loads of celeb guests through it. They had Nadine Coyle. uh, uh, They just had loads of fab guests. And she pops her head through, they sing the song, and then she goes and then we kind of carry on. So we don't get any, like, backstage chat or any kind of real moments with them which is a bit gutting um on that show but it was fun to do and it, i don't know like when i watched it back i was like am i actually singing with someone i used to what grow like watch growing up mm-hmm. do you know what i mean but um 
I remember I did a club night with her years ago. No. So listen to this. This is right. tea, right? Okay. I'm going to say just between me and you, but obviously me, you, and whoever's listening. So <laughs> we did a club night a few years ago, and long story short, the press was there. We got papped. Me and Air was in the paper. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm papped and papped. But the story that ran was that she got drunk at this club night, and I was the one, like, kind of uh, interviewing her, like... Um, she, we were on a judging panel for a competition and I was the like the head judge like running the competition and the, we, we had to fill time for some reason. You know what it's like when you've got an audience in front of you yeah. and you just fill mm-hmm. time. So I was like, I'm going to ask Kerry some questions. I was asking her some questions and I was kind of like pressing her on Atomic Kitten and the, the, the band members and she just out of nowhere was like, Atomic Kitten, I call them toxic cunts so <laughs> we can't swear that was a bleep if if we're not allowed to swear probably what will be a bleep if you're listening to it oh, back danny this is a scottish podcast there'll be swearing don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> and i couldn't believe she said it so i was like oh right what even the ginger one and then she went especially the ginger one and just went on this bit of a rant and anyway the next day was kerry katona's kicked out of atomic kitten oh. and i thought oh my god what have i done <laughs> I'm working for a moment now the doorbell's gone watch your be Carrie Katona come to knock me out for speaking about her one sec girl <laughs> sorry girl I'm back just had me ASOS delivery ahead of the weekends you alright yeah that's fine I hope it's not Carrie Katona with the ASOS delivery though. no I was I did shit myself thinking is she going to be there on the steps like with a knife because it is Halloween season <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah do you know it's so funny um, I remember that do you know that I remember years ago seeing that video of her um, I'm pretty sure someone took on their phone and the article and I just you know what the press are like though they'll always jump on something yeah. that's fabricate things and sort of make them um, make them more appealing than they actually are and I just think that story I mean god <laughs> you and her sitting and coming out with that well listen I'd be lying if I said with a drink in me I've no said some things maybe I'd regret it so well, what I was going to say is, do you know what I did notice about her? And I've, I've worked with her maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. She's just got really self-depreciating like humour. So she yeah. takes the, the piss out of herself a lot. And mm-hmm. I think she was just having a laugh and it got a bit too far and misconstrued. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, she's just she's just a good barrel of laughs. Do you know what I mean? She's one of them, laugh, the last few kind of reality kind of like pop, you know, years ago when we just burst this little bubble of we were all of a sudden really interested in, like, reality people mm-hmm. and their lives, and she was one of those people. I know she came from Atomic Kitten, but yeah. um, I think she's really part of our pop culture history in the UK, so I, I, I have quite a lot of respect for her anyway. Totally, and I remember growing up, like, when we were watching, me and my family were watching I'm a, I'm a Celeb, and I loved her. I thought she was so great on that. So when I'm pulled up in polo on stage where I thought... This is absolutely hilarious. Like, I can't make yeah. this up. Because we were in Edinburgh, I'm in Edinburgh, and my friends and I were like, oh, let's go for a laugh. And a lot of them were like, oh, I've got work tomorrow. And I was like, no, we'll go through. It'll be a laugh. It's pride. Like, let's go and see her perform. And it was, <laughs> she'd handed out the microphone for right now, and nobody knew the lyrics to it. And it was like all the audience were just making up lyrics, and I knew the lyrics, so she pulled me up on stage for a whole again. And I was so cheesy. And that, like, there's a Facebook video somewhere circulating, but... Oh, it was a good laugh. So, yeah, I just, I saw it and thought that's such a funny Lincoln story before we get on to your interview. Um, and you absolutely 
were incredible in that competition. I kind of actually, when you sung Feed from Desire, I was like, eh, that's my winner. <laughs> but I was just there to have a really good laugh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was there just to have a good time. I didn't expect to win anything or any of that. Right. I just, I'm really sorry. The door's going tense the doesn't it? Let me just grab a, I don't know. Thank you. This is like a full 3D experience for everyone here. I've got to put a bell on my door. Let's get back down to it. I'm going to put a note on the door. No more parcels. <laughs> Honestly, this is what my life's like. I don't I know if you found this, but since lockdown, mm-hmm. I have deliveries coming and going every day. The neighbours are going to start thinking there's something dodgy going on. Yeah, I feel like it's that thing of like, now that we're back performing live, we've got to get new shit and makeup and all that. I totally get Wait. you. I've just had about 15 pan sticks delivered. Oh. A new ma- new makeup um, eyeshadow palette. I've been bashing them out since post-lockdown. Mm. I don't know if my face has gotten bigger or I've forgotten how to do makeup, but either way, I'm running through it. Yeah, I mean, I think your look, I've thought for years, has actually been gorgeous. Like, I remember meeting you thinking, wow, their drag makeup is really different, but in a good way. Like, I'd never seen anyone do this sort of glitter beard, the sort of grey tones. Like, I just thought really stunning look so i can imagine that does take you quite a while to put that all together do you know i used to take religiously two hours getting ready mm-hmm. and i've started i've tried to soften my face up a little bit now and even watching the karaoke club back because that was filmed that was my first gig after lock the, the, the major major lockdowns right. after christmas so it now takes me probably about still listen and two hours to an hour it probably takes me about an hour and a half an hour now really but I try and keep it all really soften the cheeks up a bit, soften the nose up, because I don't know about you, but I think when we all start, we go really harsh with all mm-hmm. the lines on our face because we're like, look, we're contouring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think as I've naturally evolved, I've tried to soften it up and it has saved me a bit of time as well. Just totally. loads of powder. That's me. That's me top tip. <laughs> loads of finishing powder to soften it up. Right. Thank you for that. I'll take that on board as well after like five years of doing this. <laughs> yeah. Throw so, a load of powder on it, girl. It blares the lines. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to kind of ask a few questions about you and your career before we then kind of talk about Drag Race's episode from last night. Um, and one of the questions I had kind of was like, your, I guess it's like your origin, E! True Hollywood story. But you know what? What kind of got you into drag? Do you know what? This is going to be such a such a thing, right? I I never thought I was ever going to go into drag. I always wanted to be like a West End star, a singer, a dancer, an actor on TV. And I went to like I do a foundation in drama school, right? And basically found out that my casting bracket was going to be really small mm-hmm. unless somebody wanted like a really butch looking, but forty year old woman sounding gay man. Then the, 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 you know what I mean? My roles were literally so small. So it was, I'd, after my foundation degree, I ended up going to Salford Uni and doing um, contemporary theatre practice, which sounds really arsy-farsy. And to be honest, it was a bit. Mm-hmm. But I did live art and I started discovering people like Lee Bowery from the 80s, Boy George in the 80s, and these club kids that were like from America and the UK that were doing kind of, well, definitely drag but back then it was less seen as drag and it was just like they were club kids and they were just something a bit different they were on the outside and they dressed up fabulously they got in for free they got free drinks mm-hmm. and they partied the night away and everyone knew who they were and I, and I was kind of really inspired by that so I just started partying dressing up I had like a whole glitter face mm-hmm. 
And then before I knew it, I was I was DJing. So then I was DJing in drag and my DJ career just went pop in, in Manchester's gay village. Mm-hmm. And I was doing like Poptastic back in the day, which was the club night that people would go to on a Tuesday. And then I ended up DJing Cruise 101, which is like the biggest, wow. best club in Manchester Love for the queers. And I was doing everything. And then very slowly started doing hosting gigs and building my confidence up. Mm-hmm. And I was asked one day, would you host a cabaret? But you've got, and they said, yeah, of course I will. And they were like, you've got to sing a song. And I was like, oh no, I'm not singing in front of people. Like I only <laughs> sing in the shower, love. <laughs> that was me, honestly. I was like, really? I'm singing in the shower. I was Joseph when I was seven in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, if that counts, but I can't really sing. Anyway, I went to see the previous host do the job. And I went, oh, I can do that. <laughs> and I thought, I'm just going to have a go. I'm going to do it. And I learned Sweet Transvestite, the first ever song I learned. And I went and I did the gig and they were like, you're hired. Wow. And I just literally went from there. And then I was hosting all these amazing, fabulous queens. And Lavoie came through. Um, she might People might know Lavoie from like, she was on BGT with the big band years mm-hmm. ago. Um, Rumours are she's going to be on some new big TV things that Ooh. come in. Um, so she's a, she's a big name in the cabaret world anyway. And she said, you should enter Drag Idol. And I did. Oh. I entered Drag Idol UK and I won it. I never thought I was going to win it. I, and that's what, because they did hate in Manchester where I was from, but I was too embarrassed to enter in Manchester. So I said, I'm going to go down to London. And in my mind, as if we're like, we don't have the internet. In my mind, I was like, if I don't do well in London, well, and I don't do well in London, like no one knows who I am down there. I'll just come back to Manchester and I'll be fine. It's a brilliant and attitude I, to have, yeah. Yeah, honestly. And I, I think that's just gave me this little bit of confidence and then I did it and they just seemed to take to it I think because look everyone else in the in the in the competition was very traditional looking drag and this was just before drag race was taken off in the UK so I remember mm. turning up with a set of hip pads in and everyone being like what's this Where, how have you done that do you know what I mean oh, and right. um yeah I ended up winning it and winning like I think you win like 14 gigs from the top of the country to the bottom and obviously they all turn into more gigs and literally overnight like that my life was changed so that's a very long story but that's how that's the story I love it you know I I remember seeing your look and being like there's something interesting and different about that aesthetic that I love and when I did the same sort of situation that you've had where I went and done a contemporary art degree at an art school um, three years ago and I part of it was researching you know um, the club kids scene in the New York from Geraldo um, it's like talk show and stuff and Lee Bowery from here and Amanda yeah. um, oh her name it's totally went in my head Amanda oh, my poor honey my poor, my poor. Yes. Um, but all these people that I was like oh my god they're gorgeous but they're so different that you know RuPaul was part of the club kids scene at one point do you know what I mean so absolutely um, so it's really interesting to know that. I'm not surprised you took inspiration from that. I was going to say, you're like, oh, I can't sing unless in the shower. And then I've literally remember seeing the next time I see you um, from obviously after Kiki is on Britain's Got Talent singing Sweet Transvestite and you can sing. Yes. Do you know what it took me? It. Sorry, one moment. I've got, let me turn this off. This is about me and you, my loves. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it took me about... It took me a hot minute to realise I could sing, basically. Mm-hmm. I was just nervous. I think a massive part of singing is the confidence to just do it in front of someone. Like A massive part of singing is in your head. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I'm a drag singer and I completely agree with you. Like before the pandemic, I sung occasionally if I was drunk at a gig, which is never a good thing to sing completely rat arsed. But um, (laughs) but like I went back to singing lessons, found a really good vocal coach who's also queer, which really helped in the way I felt and um, ended up falling in love with singing. And I'm now making my own EP and it's just like, you know, I totally get you that it's that once you get out of your head and you just get into your voice, it works. Um, and I thought, I remember seeing you on Britain's, Britain's Got Talent and it was just like, oh my God, I literally met them in Manchester, drunk once. Like, how wild is that? Um, and how did you find, you know, television's quite an interesting experience. How did you find the whole process of first going on television? You know, when I first did it, um, I didn't think about it. I was 22. I, I just recently won Drag Idol. They'd approached me. They wanted me to do X Factor. I mm. thought they were taking the mick when I met them. I was like, who is this girl? She's taking the piss. Like, <laughs> like why would I do that? Mm. And then she turned out to be one of the like casting producers and she moved over to BGT and she was like, I want to bring you with me. I want you to do it. And they brought me down to London and I saw like the main guy and he was like, yeah, you're going to do it. You're in. It's fab. Wow. And it all was just dead exciting at 22. Like, I didn't have any expectations. Bearing in mind as well, this was pre-drag race, so there was no way for you to take your drag career to another level. Mm-hmm. We were all kind of still underground, really, if you will, with the, with the exception of, you know, one or two. We had Lily Savage years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, I didn't think of it anything other than, do you know what, this will get me a few more gigs that's literally what I thought when I did it. And it, that's what happened, you know what I mean? Like, again, that changed my life again really quick. So the very start of my career, I went from DJing in my local scene to within a space of a few months, I was getting flown here, there and everywhere. Wow. I was literally, I had imposter syndrome. I remember getting flown to this uh, international pride and like they picked me up and they took me for dinner and everything. I was thinking, what is going on? Like, I'm not qualified to do this. Like Mm. the nerves were crazy. Skip to now. And I've been doing this job like nearly 10 years, I think. Wow. I love it. Like it's, it's, it's the, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, I get to meet people like you. I get to do things like this. I just, it's, the best and most crazy life. So I wasn't prepared for the show, but it changed my life so dramatically. So I think eyes wide open and just, mm-hmm. if you, I think as well, if you're confident in what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if like, I look back now and think, Oh God, what was she looking like that for? Why did I do that? Why, you yeah. know, even if at the time you're pushing yourself to the best you can be at the time, you'll always, always be achieving. I think. I totally agree with you and it's that thing in the drag community that you know you you get those messages from students like oh can you do this we can't pay but it's exposure but this gig you've done with britain's got to help you on tv that is a good exposure gig as you've mentioned because the the gigs that followed after that and i totally understand where you're coming from the imposter syndrome because i get that now even in it was really random but a few weeks ago i was djing this private party in edinburgh at voodoo rooms and i was like oh like they weren't the really traditional drag crowd do you know what i mean they were quite um straight and conservative with the hcif girl yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i was just like oh okay you want a drag queen but it was that thing that like it was so i felt quite the imposter syndrome but then i was like well no they actually wanted me to do this and they had a good laugh when they got a few wines in them the middle class housewives were loving me and dancing with me so 
it was a good vibe and I totally understand what you mean about how word travels with these things. So obviously after, you know, the exposure of Britain's Got Talent, you know, can you talk me through some of the highlights of your careers so far? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? It's, it's hard to it's hard to pin them into specific moments. I think for me, a massive highlight is the fact that I'm 30 next year and I, I've always thought in the back of my mind, at some point, I'm going to have to get a real job. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what like mm-hmm. my mom and my family and my society, in a way, put onto you. I think they're more supportive now, by the way, if, if my mom is listening. Um, <laughs> I know they're more supportive now, but I always had that in the back of my mind. So to, to be able to stand here at nearly 30 and say, actually, for the last 10 years, my arse has not only supported me and my, my you know, my my little family I've got going on. Yeah. It's it, it's it's given me the best time doing it. Like that to me is a massive moment in my career. It, do you know what I mean? To fully yep. say my art has supported me. But I think moments are things like the first time I ever performed abroad was in Sidges in Spain for Sidges Pride. And I remember wow. looking out to these thousands of people thinking, wow. I'm literally a pop star for 20 minutes. This is this is nuts. I never thought this would be my job. So there's like a few defining things like that. I think even as recently as when I got the call to do the uh, Celebrity Karaoke Club drag edition thing, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't through any agents or anything like that. The, the producers of that show just give me a call up and they were like, we, we follow you, we know who you are. And I think it's things like that when, when you go, oh, oh, okay, like maybe I am a bit more relevant than you think because we never think we're that relevant. Like, yeah. like my boyfriend said to me, like, what is making it? Because if you'd have said to yourself five years ago, these are the jobs you're doing, mm-hmm. you'd have said, that's what I want to be. That's my that's my dream. But now you're doing them, you're still not, not happy, really, because we're always chasing that next dream. And I think yeah. especially nowadays, drag queens are all so led to believe that unless you are on Drag Race, you know, you are not the top of drag. And that's, I, I don't think that's the case. And, you know, look at the other guests that you've had on this show, people like Mary Mack, who she's at the top of her game. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's, it, we, we're not necessarily having to be reality TV stars to do it. We just have to be passionate and, and putting ourselves in the position to be able to do it and, and pushing ourselves. I totally agree with everything you've just said there. I'm so glad you've said that because no one in the last sort of four episodes has mentioned that. No one has mentioned that we're often comparing ourselves to if we got on Drag Race, yeah. we've made it. Because you know as well with the fans that the amount of time we meet fans and they go, oh, so, um, you know, you should go on that Drag Race. You'd be great at it. And it's like, why is that the one thing that you think I should do? There's other things out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so- Number one question, I would say, I am personally asked, would you go on Drag Race? Have you applied for Drag Race? And I'm sure it's the same for you. Yep. And it, it kind of, people forget that it, it almost devalues our work a little bit. Like, while that's a great reality TV mm-hmm. show and any drag queen that says, no, I'd never be on it, I think's a liar because <laughs> you know going on that show, the next step is more TV work, more, you know, people know you are, more opportunities to work, more mm-hmm. opportunities to push yourself. So anyone that says they wouldn't do it, I think is a liar. But <laughs> also there's more to it. And I think a lot of people use that as what their base for what drag is. And I think, I think that's why the times come where we do need to be seeing bio queens, kings and different styles of drag Mm -hmm. pushed to the mainstream, you know, Tranimal 
is like that's why I think someone like Charity Case. I know we're going to come on to Drag Race UK in a bit, mm-hmm. but that's why someone someone like Charity Case is, is interesting to see on the show because they push those boundaries of drag. It's not all about being, you know, a pretty woman, if you will. I know, and I feel Charity Case resembles, in a way, sort of like what Sharon Needles was back in the day, where it was very much doing really different drag that was cool and out there. I do completely agree. We'll touch on that more, obviously, later. The last thing I kind of want to ask you was, obviously, you've done such incredible work, it was hard to kind of pick apart what you've been doing. Uh, you have such a great portfolio, but you're also a podcast host doing the Gossip Gaze. Can you chat more about that? Yeah, so, uh, do you know what? This is one of those things. So me and my good, good Judy, DJ Billy Andrew, right. we met in Manchester's Gay Village. Um, and we... we you we used to toy about with oh we'll do this club night or oh we'll do this project or we'll do this and with these people that we we believe in our minds that we come up with loads <laughs> of good ideas and don't do it and we were chatting for maybe about two three weeks this is maybe two years ago now we should do a podcast yeah and we'll do this and we'll call it the gossip gaze oh this is good oh and we'll do this and we'll do that and then you know what we were just sat in mind one day and we were like i'm just gonna buy a podcast starter equipment let's do it Wow. And we just did it and we just recorded some bits in the house. We had no clue what we were doing. We put it out on the internet and people liked it. So we kept doing it. And do you know what? It's not supported by anyone. It's in, it's an independent indie brand. It's us. Mm-hmm. And it's not massive, but it's got a good following and pe- and it's growing and growing and growing like month on month even. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just do it as a little passion project and we chat absolute shite (laughs) like and i think you know it's not it won't be for everyone as not every podcast is for everyone um which is what i always tell people when you get into podcasts listen to a few a few different styles a few different people Mm -hmm. and something will click because for me it's easy listening it's having a laugh it's about being able to pop it on while i'm doing something that's what i love like Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you're driving you're the type of listener that i am (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? But some people like to sit and like zone out and put it on in bed or people say, oh, I listen to you in the bath or oh, I listen to you when I'm making Sunday dinner. And I'm like, oh, great. You like people have the little routine. So it's just a nice way of connecting with your an audience on a different level. And they get to see you on a completely different level that they don't get to see when you're in a show, when, you, when you're being really bitchy and cunty on stage and mm. shady. Mm-hmm. You know, they get to see actually what is their opinion on this in the world. So I think, I think podcasting is just a really great way to connect with people, you know. I'm glad you said that because this is my second podcast with Soulless um, Productions. Yeah. But my first one was uh, Afternoon Delight and it was where I interviewed local artists that there were people that were um, drag queens and drag kings, but then there were people that were um, dietitians who ran a dietitian influencer page, but it was everyone primarily based in Scotland. And I completely agreed that it was during the pandemic when I literally, like, there was nothing to do. The second wave had hit and it was such a beautiful way to connect with people and share stories and learn stuff. And I completely agree. And that was the same sort of vibe as yours. So I totally understand and agree with you. Um, I like to listen to Oprah in the bath every Wednesday, Super Soul. That's, <laughs> yes. my, that's my thing. And I go for a walk on a Friday and listen to Grazia Life Advice. I'm hoping that they get a drag queen on soon, though. Um, but yeah, amazing. So that kind of brings me on to my last question before we get to the Drag Race chat. There's only one thing I really want to ask. I've asked a lot of the drag artists this. Um, what is the drag scene like? In Are you in Manchester now or are you in London now? 
Yeah, so I'm based in Manchester. Yeah, I'm originally from Liverpool, then I moved to the Wirral. So I'm like this weird little northern hybrid, but I am based in Manchester. I love it. So I just want to double check. So can you tell me what the Manchester drag scene is like then? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Manchester is like, um, who put it like this? I think it was like Trixie or someone when they came over said, Manchester's like New York, and London is more like LA. So Manchester's really laid back a bit more dirty, a bit more yeah. grungy. There's there's more corners to the mm-hmm. to the drag here, more styles. I think a lot of people in Manchester, their drag has a brand. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's really was kicked off back in the day, like when Cha Cha Boudoir was starting and the family gorgeous and mm, mm-hmm. there was no one else doing that around the UK at that time. Um so I think it really comes from that. And like I was at that same era of of our drag grew up at the same time and we partied together and we all knew each other. And I think because there were so many of us and we all wanted to be so individual, we really carved our brands out on the club scene. So when we started breaking out into more mainstream, like, you know, I'm a cabaret queen now touring the country, I've already got that set brand. And I think that's the best way to describe Manchester drag. I love it because I loved clubbing in Manchester and Cruise 101, absolutely my favourite, um, favourite club venue. Like, but... 
yeah, I just wanted to ask because I've been asking all the other drag artists, you know, what's the scene like? Because for me as well, I've got a lot of Scottish following who'll be listening to this that I want them to kind of get an understanding of what it's like. Because you know what it's like? You People think they see what it's like on Twitter, but they don't realise that actually when you go to the source and you speak to them, you get an actual clear, a clear sort of description. So um, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So did you obviously manage to watch Drag Race last night? Uh, I've caught the last end of it and the bit of them singing with Steps, honey. Steps are my number one band. From, Same. This is me pinch me moment. Same. This is me wishing I was on season three knowing Steps have walked through the, the bloody workroom door. Yeah, I mean, I screamed. And I met Faye years ago in CC's in Edinburgh. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, so like starstruck moment for me. And I'm in my house. But I felt for like River Medway, absolutely adored them. Do you know what I mean? And, and all yeah. of them. And I find it funny because Steps, especially if you're a DJ, people give you sort of, they either when you play Tragedy and all these songs give you a yes, or they give you a, oh, that's really cheesy. And it's a bit like everyone loves Steps. Everyone loves Steps. I also think Steps are making, <clears throat> pardon me, Steps are making a real big resurgence because if you think about it, they really are the last of that 90s, mm-hmm. like those 90s bands that are actually standing and not just standing, but, they are releasing new music and like they've had number one albums you know like i girl i'm one of these queens i do holiday parks i do the adult weekends across <laughs> the country at holiday parks so Amazing. i work with all you know s club two um four now instead of five you know <laughs> i get to work with these 90s bands and they're all still working and and really nice people and you know the cheeky girls are still lip syncing to that same touch my bum <laughs> Steps are releasing new music. They're on TV. They've got tours. I actually, I'm really proud of Steps. Um, And seeing them on Drag Race, this is like the biggest queer thing that we've got in our culture. You know, this is our football. This is, they've they've basically appeared on, you know, I don't know what what a football thing is, but I'm trying to think (laughs) of a reference really quick. I know what you mean. Like, I mean, I did see when H came on with a harness, I was like, gay rights. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, and And a sparkly one at that. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, of course. But I mean, you've got to remember, obviously, and like, you know, the the fact that he came out so publicly, I remember as I was, I was a kid, obviously, but I remember seeing it. And I, as a kid was like, oh, he's gay. That's so cool. Um, and the fact that like, you know, now on TV, on the BBC, we're in a harness. I just think, yes, live your truth, live your life. And I just thought it was fab. Um, in terms of the episode, it was, it was a difficult one, I think. Do you know, I felt that the Queen's really did face a bit of an expectation because obviously UK Hun was last year, well, not last year's, yeah, it was last year's episode, uh, season. Yeah. And UK Hun was a sort of well-known, everyone loved, like, song, like the Lawrence Cheney, Highland Jig versus Still Hilarious to me. And with obviously this episode being sort of the similar challenge, I was like, oh, their pressure is on for this. And obviously they, the Queen were split into the two groups uh-huh. and there was the fast-paced track that it, it kind of did flatline. And they thought that they had kind of nailed it, taking the faster version. But the slower group, the ballad group, which gave me All Saints vibes, I must say, like, nailed it. And I was I was very taken back because I kind of didn't expect that. I think these queens are coming into this, this now with, like, for example, season one, you, no one knew what to expect, so it was mm-hmm. a, it was a lot more raw and it felt a lot more unproduced. Season two, we got this bit more produced vibe and now we're at season three people can see the impact that drag race is having you know these queens Mm -hmm. are walking in that workroom on day one knowing 
they could be the next Bimini or they could be the next taste. And that they put, they're putting so much more extra pressure on themselves. Mm -hmm. So knowing for the fact that this has been two iconic challenges, you know, when you walk in that work room, you need to slay on this girl group challenge because it can make a difference. Yeah. And it, it means, it means more work and it means, you know, more exposure and more of what you're there to do. So I think, I think these girls are putting a lot of pressure on themselves. And if I'm honest, I probably would have picked the more fast-paced one. Really? I think I would have, because in my mind, I would be thinking, well, this is what's going to get played in the clubs. This is what the gays are going to want. I'd have been second-guessing myself in that moment. Um. I, also, I also did prefer the first group's looks. Is that really bad to say? No. Ella of a day looks stunning in that, those like sheer pants. I just on don't know if it was a very girl group. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, your opinion is valid just as anyone's, and I totally agree with you to an extent. I thought the fast girl group, I said, right, um, like they were called the Slice Girls, weren't they? The Slice Girls, yeah. that was their group parody name. And I thought their looks were stunning. Obviously, they kind of they went about charities one saying you were blue and they all were silver, and I kind of was like, I thought it worked. Like, I obviously knew you what they meant. You always wear the same colour in a girl group. I think, there's, you know, you're not five years in. You, this is the first, this is your debut performance. Everyone's equal. Do you know what I mean? Don't be Jesse Nelson yourself out of the group, hon. You've only just started. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? Fair, blunt and to the point. <laughs> what do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'd be saying that if I was one of the other girls, I'd be like, nah, they are love. Don't worry, I've got a spare silver dress for you. Well, that was the thing they mentioned, didn't they? They were like, you know, you could have spray painted it like silver. Or you could have like seen if someone else had something. I was like, yeah, that is true. Like these are things that I don't think about. Um, so yeah, I did think it was interesting um, in terms of the costuming, and I did think that it was a shame because I did also feel watching it that obviously Scarlett just got in her head and totally like you know like you just said there the pressure was on. She clearly flatlined because she got in her head a bit. I did watch it and go. Crystal and Kitty were great and Charity was actually quite great too. I just think because Scarlett had her moment, it kind of made it a bit more obvious, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I just, uh, yeah, I don't disagree, actually. I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. That's fair. <laughs> I was waiting I'm for just, that I moment. was just thinking because I'm, I'm a massive, massive Kitty fan. So I'm, I watch Kitty in the group and I can't take my eyes off her. So Same. for me... I'm a Kitty fan, do you know what I mean? And I'm a massive Crystal fan. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 maybe I need to rewatch it and, and pick up on some other bits. But I'm like, you know, when you're rooting for someone, so you're like, woo, come on, girl. Are you just kind of focusing on mm -hmm. them? I'm kind of one of them when I watch the show. So I have mm -hmm. to watch the show and then I have to watch it again. Because otherwise I, I just end up look, looking at all the people that I either know or that I want to do well or mm -hmm. looking for the tea. Do you know what I mean? I totally agree with you. Like, Kitty was the one that I felt saved them. Like, I thought, I, I'm a big Kitty fan too. And yeah. I was like, she was stunning. She gave the energy. She committed. She made, she camped up. Like, you know, at one point, Emma Bunny had said, you know, you know, to um, Scarlett, oh, if you just smiled. And I was like, that was the thing that Kitty did that because she was so energetic and smiling, I would never have known if she'd fucked up a move. Like, I wouldn't have known. But I did feel like the three girls, like, because Scarlett really was in her head, really struggling. And at one point, it looked like she didn't even dance. She was walking because she was just over it. And I thought to myself, I'm noticing that, whereas maybe if she'd made a bit of a fuck up, I went, oh, well, haha, you probably wouldn't have noticed it because it's about that thing, isn't it? Like Carrie Bradshaw on the runway, like when she falls over, just own it. Like, yeah, and don't forget as well, 
now this is no shade to these to these queens, but people like Scarlett and that they're really funny, great, you know, queens on the telly, but they're not necessarily the most experienced. Mm-hmm. So whereas maybe someone who's a little bit more experienced might think, right, I'm going to fuck it up, but I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to make it like yes. as we saw last year with Lawrence Cheney, who was massively experienced. She she even put into her lyrics last year, like I, I, like, I can't sing. Do you know mm. what I mean? Sorry, I can't sing or dance, but I'm going to do whatever. And she made it part of her character. And RuPaul always says, play to your strengths. I mm-hmm. think the answers are there, but people, as I said before, just get in the head and then they end up tripping themselves up. But if she'd have played more to those com- comedic strengths, mm-hmm. it would have been less noticeable. I, I completely agree. Yep. So the bottom two, obviously, were Scarlett and Charity. What were your thoughts on that? I... I think charity for me i'm gutted that the, the judges haven't gelled with her because i'd like to see somebody like charity go quite far in me the too. competition mm-hmm. i just wonder if her attitude's slightly getting in the way oh fair to say i, I don't know if she always comes say. across a hundred percent Hundred percent likable at all times, and and and, and, and that's a, a crap critique for someone to get because if they're being themselves, then they're like, well, what can I do? But th- we've seen a few times in the in this season already, charity pipe up and like give their opinion mm-hmm. on something as if like it just always has felt out of the blue. Like why is she piping up with her opinion? And, and obviously, you know, Rue watches everything that you're doing, so you your main aim is you want RuPaul to like you. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And she's yep. going to have your back. Um, I think when it comes down to the looks, I don't think Charity should have been in the bottom. I do think, um, sorry, what's her name again? Scarlet. How rude of me. <laughs> I, I do think the other Queen's girl uh, looks weren't, weren't as on par, but I, I also thought Charity's look was quite quite strong. Like, I know you could see the joint on, on the mask a little bit, but she'd pushed it further than any of the other girls had for that runway. So I don't necessarily know if she should have been in the bottom for her look. But overall, I think it probably was the right two. See, I was glad you said that because I last night was quite shocked that on terms of the sort of male be inspired look with Scary Spice, <laughs> I actually loved it. And I thought, wow, that's art. And I, I, I was like, the effort and amount of time that that will have taken to put together, like, you know, to construct and do all that. And they were like, oh, well, it's not really Mel B. And then she kind of, when she did pipe up and I was like, okay, why not? She was like, well, this is my interpretation of like Scary Spice. I was like, she's not really wrong. Like that is what I would look at as in her interpretation of it. Um, But I did feel that, I often feel this with Drag Race and it's no shade intended to them because I love the show. I watch it religiously. But, you know, Jenny Lyman had the same experience in season two where they were like, oh, you could do with maybe being a bit more glamorous. And when she did it, they kind of were a bit like, oh, it's not like what we wanted. And I felt a bit like with Charity is that kind of disconnect that they're going, we could maybe try something like this. And she's going, well, this is what I do though. And I, I totally can see it and agree with you that maybe I'm not sure about that attitude part because I don't know Charity that well, but maybe it is just that she's um, sort of getting a bit over it because she doesn't feel maybe like she's appreciated. But I didn't think her look made her in the bottom for sure. I did lose her a little bit in the challenge though. Like I didn't, I was, it was a lot to digest, if that makes sense. I was a bit like, okay, so yeah. it looks different. And then the lyrics, what I can't really remember the lyrics because it was a bit rad. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, lyrics-wise, the only person that really stood out to me and went top or bottom, I love the little moment River gave because where she's where she was speaking, I can't remember who she was speaking. Her mum. This is I'm putting something really personal into this, and like, and I think that's what people like in these drag race songs is that connecting with that queen. Mm-hmm. And I think River hit that really well. And I know it was about her mum who passed, um, mm-hmm. which was quite sad, but. I think it's nice when people take it to that next level and don't just do the, you know, yas and the and the and the just stereotypical, very fabricated drag stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't really remember Charity's lyrics either. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, River Medway's part about her mum being in heaven was beautiful. I did nearly cry. Um, I've cried a lot this week with Mercury being in retrograde, so I couldn't cry anymore. But um, but the other thing I was going to say was obviously. Um, when it came to them lip syncing, they were doing the Spice Girls, Who Do You Think You Are? And I thought they both did quite a good job. And then, lo and behold, they were kept safe, which I was a bit surprised by for some reason, but I was happy they got kept. But I was a bit like, oh, it's a double save. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I think sometimes you do... When you get a double save and it's at the right moment, it's like, oh, thank God, because I really like both of them and I can't decide. Mm. But last night I was thinking, this is Charity's Chops here. What, <laughs> how, how did you think that was going to go when you were watching the lip sync, can I ask? Mm. Um, Could you not call it? Because sometimes I feel like you can call it even with the edit, like, oh, my God, they've left it, They've left her missing that little bit. And Should I be going, honest? Like, so I'll be honest, I don't want to get cancelled online, though. <laughs> um, I, see, for me, I always chat about it really honestly. Like, even on Gossip Gaze, I just chat about it honestly. And if any of the queens have ever got a gripe, I'm like, girl, you're on TV. Like, we're, we're giving you your opinion. It's not yeah. deep. Like, uh, anything I've said would never be malice to these yeah. girls because really, the, let's be real, me and you are going to be still slogging our guts off on podcasts for the next year. All these <laughs> girls are going to be getting a lot of money going to clubs and living their best life. So I don't yeah. think any queens could hold it against us for having an opinion. No, no I'm just making a really bad attempt at a mum joke. <laughs> but I'm um, sorry, look at me getting all deep. I love it. Look. <laughs> Baby, get deep with me, trust me. But I would say um, I did feel, watching it, that Scarlett lacked the energy. Okay. And I thought Charity was going for 110. And I just felt Scarlett was great. And I, I guess, in a way, her look, I kind of, when I saw her look, I went, oh, that would looks like something Jerry would have wore in, like, a music video. I didn't know what her look, where her look was going. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went keen on, like, the mumsy top. Nah. <laughs> And I, I mean, she looked, and I wrote this down, but it, she reminded me of like you know a fembot from Austin Powers. Yeah, okay, with the yeah, hair yeah, and yeah. Stuff. She reminded me of that silhouette with the sort of jacket and the hair, and obviously that they mentioned Nancy Sinatra, I think. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. And the last thing I just wanted to say about the episode, I mean, maybe it was just because she was missing from the tour, but I feel like the person in this episode that was done the dirty was Victoria Beckham because no one done a posh spice look. Like, I mean, I'm surprised that none of like, you know, your your pretty girls, if you will, did posh. Like, Crystal could have pulled off an amazing yeah. posh spice with the waist and the body. I don't know what I don't know what they're thinking. No, a hundred and ten percent. I'm glad you said that because I wrote down Crystal could have done posh spice and stood out more. Yeah. So totally and get you some of those posh posh spice like poses and come out but i think she's just got a reputation of 
not really having much of a personality. I don't know why I'm whispering like it's going to make any better that I'm saying it. But I think she does. Like, if I've, have you ever watched... Um, she did a little thing with Perez Hilton years ago, Posh, and she was like, all right, here's all the press now, right? I've got to be moody. And, like, she was really funny. Like, she really, like, played into that Posh character. Mm-hmm. And I think if you just do a little bit of research on, on someone, mm-hmm. you can pull those elements of the personality personality out and put it into your look and into your presentation, if you yeah. will. I was totally agree with you. I was watching the Channel 4 a doc on the Spice Girls on how Girl Power Changed Britain. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought Victoria and a couple of her documentaries behind the scenes was really funny and quite sarcastic. So, yeah, so yeah, totally. Oh, well, before we obviously finish up, you know, um, who's your... I feel like we can start saying this at this point, but it always changes. You know, who's your money on? Have you got any top three suggestions yet? I'm, re- I- I'm too biased to do this. But <laughs> it's, for me, it's Crystal Versace or... Oh, no, it is. It's Crystal Versace. I'm a massive Kitty Scott Claus fan, and I'd Same. like to see it up there in the top. But for me, it's got to be Crystal Versace all the way this season. And I never put my money on a, on a queen. I'm not this early. But mm. I just think she's young. She's just got it. And I think she's probably got that young energy I was talking about before where you're just kind of going into something and don't give a fuck. And it comes across. And I wish I still had that. So Me I think too. that's why I really I'm 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 clicking with clicking with Miss Versace and I really want her to win. Oh, amazing. I'm glad. I'm very much um pinning her as a top three. She's definitely my top three for sure. Yeah. Brilliant. Before we finish up the episode, um, have you got any gigs coming up soon? Anything that you want to promote and give a shout out? Oh, honey, where, when's this go out? Do you know what? I've got lo- I've got loads of great gigs coming up live. What I would say, if anyone's listening that wants to come see me live, I've got a little link in my bio on, on all my socials, my Instagram handle, all of that. And it tells you where I am and you go on and you click in it and it'll either take you to the page, take you to the event or take you to the ticket. I've got some great Halloween gigs coming up at the end of the month at RVT. I'm in Paris. Not that I'm expecting anyone to turn up to Paris. I'm just bragging. Um, <laughs> and and, and I'm, honestly, I'm here, there and everywhere. So oh, come and amazing. see me. I'm I'm always in another city every weekend, and I just love meeting people and just being really stupid on stage and then thinking, I've just done that. So yeah, come <laughs> see me. I love it. I love drag. Love my job. And I don't know. Why, I don't know. Why I'm I'm like begging people to go. I love drag. I love my job. Put me through to next week. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but come see me shows anyway. They're great. You are living the dream, Danny Beard. Thank you so much for getting juicy with Jordy. It's been a delight having you babe it's been juicy i feel like uh when i listen to this back i'm gonna be like was i nice was that was that was that was they too mean on the queens but fuck it this is what we think right <laughs> thanks again to cabaret legend singer and bearded icon danny beard for a fabulous episode of geordie's juice and a big thanks to all you my darlings for listening to episode four of geordie's juice the definitive podcast on RuPaul's Drag Race UK Season 3. There's loads more juice where that came from. You'll soon be able to find future episodes on Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Matt Ramsey for editing this episode and as ever to my lovely producer Rowan Green. This podcast was a Solar Sounds production. See you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.